Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. But I want to pick up with Katie last week. Didn't Katie do a great job with the kids last week? Wasn't that awesome? That was so awesome. Uh, and she did O for open, open the gifts, and she shared with peace and love and, and that kind of thing that Jesus gives to us every day of our lives. But today, I want to talk to you about the real prize or prize, P for prize. I want to talk about the prize. How many of you have ever said this before? Why should I even try? I never win. I never win a prize. Why should I buy a raffle ticket? Why should I try this? I never win. Have you ever had that before? Man, so-and-so always seems to win, but I never seem to win. Well, my father-in-law was like that. How many of you ever play that game when you put 50 cents in it, it's got little claws, and you drop that thing down, and you try to pick up a stuffed animal? No matter how many times I tried to play that game, I could never win. I finally just gave up on it. But my father-in-law, who was 86 years old, I don't know how he does it, maybe he had favor with the machine or whatever, but he never seemed to fail that when he dropped that thing down, he would always come back with a prize. And I'm not kidding. And my wife, that's right. I mean, if all my kids, my grandkids, if they wanted a prize, hey, let Papa great play. Let Papa great play. And I said, well, let me play. No, Papa, you can't play. You ain't no good. You ain't no good. And so they would tell me right out, you ain't no good. I remember some time ago when my kids were growing up, and here I was. I was this basketball player. I was, you know, had all the accolades that I had in basketball. We were at Six Flags Great America. Six Flags Great America is in Illinois, or many of you know it as Six Flags. But it's called Six Flags Great America before Six Flags brought it out, so it's now Six Flags Great America. And we were there, and we were at one of those basketball games. How many of you seen those basketball shoot games, you know what I'm talking about? Those basketball shoot games. And I had my two, my two kids there, and they're hot shots basketball players and I am and so you know every time you shoot a ball it's two to three dollars a shot right and so here I am let me get that and we're trying to win these basketballs okay they had the North Carolina basketball the Duke basketball all these really sharp basketballs so I was trying to win it for my kids and so I couldn't hit the broad side of the barn and my kids were like dad I thought you were the basketball player what's up with that how come you can't make it now dad let us try and lo and behold, I let my kids try, and CJ on the first shot, he made it. See, Dad, you should have let me try. And then my son Rick on the second shot, he made it. And so now they showed Dad up so much that I kept playing. And finally I made one after about 20-some dollars. I said, see, I told you I could finally make it. <laughs> yeah, Dad, but it took you all this time to make it. But I felt embarrassed. I felt, man, in shame that I couldn't make it. Here I was, this basketball player, and my kids were showing me up. Ever felt like that before? And you spend all this money to try to get a prize to prove that you can win or to get the prize. And sometimes in life, we do the same thing. If you knew you could have a 100% chance, if you knew that you could have a 100% chance of winning the prize, would you play? Is that up there? Would you play? Is there, is there not up here, the notes up here, Don? Would you Would you play? If you knew that you had a 100% chance, would you play? Absolutely you would play. Why would you play? Because if I knew I had a 100% chance of playing or winning, I would play because, hey, I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to look like a fool. But I'm going to be able to win because I have a 100% chance of knowing that. If we all like to win, right? We all like to win. We have some kind of competitive spirit, right? We have a competitive spirit. How many of y'all have competitive spirits, right? 
Oh, come on. If you play any games with my, my daughter-in-law, Kristen, my daughter-in-law, Kristen, I'm telling you, if she knows she's winning in the midst of knowing that I mean, if she's winning, she's going to brag. She's going to let you know, see, you ain't no good, Papa. Man, you thought you were good. But if she's losing, she'll close up shop and quit. <laughs> she hates losing. She is so competitive. But if you and some of us have a competitive spirit, how many are like that, Right? Man, when we get together at my family reunion, we play cribbage. How many play cribbage? We play cribbage, man. We love the game cribbage. And we have a cribbage contest. And I'll never fail, man. It never seems to fail that my niece or her husband always win the cribbage contest. What's up with that? I think they rigged the cards. But, man, it gets intense. Man, everybody's jiving. They're talking. They're smack talking. They're all, they've got this competitive spirit. But if you know what? If you lose, you have to get embarrassed when you lose, right? You get embarrassed when you lose. But in John chapter 3, Jesus lays out a plan for us. And I, and I love this, but what God lays out for us. In John chapter 3, verse 16. And many of you know this verse, but it's the anthem or the theme of why we celebrate Christmas. It's the center, man, of our, of our relationship with, with Jesus. It says this, for God so loved the world. You ever get to wondering, who's the world? It's you and I. You know, the Bible says we're part of the world, but we don't have to be of the world. In other words, we live in this world, but we don't have to act like the world. We can be separated and come out from among them and touch no unclean things. And God said then he'll receive us. We live in this world, but we're supposed to be different in this world. Why are we different? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the reason what makes us different is because we received the prize. We received the prize. That prize was Jesus. Jesus is in the business of transforming, changing, and rearranging lives. He rearranges life. My brother, he loves to refurbish cars. He loves to refurbish cars. And when he was, man, single, and he lived with Cheryl and I in Minneapolis, Minnesota, he lived with us, and he would buy all these old cars. And when he'd bring them home to our apartment, believe me, we, man, we had our parking lot filled with all these old cars that my brother would bring home and buy for cheap. And when you look at them, they look like a bunch of rust buckets. And he thought, what in the world are you doing with us, Rick? He said, I'm going to fix it up. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, he fixed these cars up before you knew it. And, man, they looked amazing. But they were rusty. They were, man, just looked like a pile of junk. But when he got a hold of it and started doing the bondo and the cutting away of the old metal and all this stuff and replacing it with new metal, putting on new fenders and new seats and all these things, he transformed that car. And when he brought it for three, four, five hundred dollars $500, he ended up selling it for six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 and even more. He took something that was old and lost and maybe, maybe looked to us like trash and he turned it into something beautiful. That's the same thing with God. What makes us different in this world is that we are made new in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. 
the old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. So God can take your mess and give you a message. He can take your test and give you a testimony. You see, if you didn't have a test, you would never have a testimony of telling people where you came from to where you are now. It's Jesus that transforms and changes lives. And so what God does, he came. You're of the world, but you don't have to be part of the world. What makes you different is that you stand out, that the light of Christ lives within me now. But then I love what he says in verse 17. I love this. And he goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I don't know about you, but man... How many of you like to be nagged at that you're no good, you're a loser, you're this, you're that? And, man, when people tell you you're a loser, what does that do to your self-esteem? It makes you feel like, man, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. But Jesus didn't come to condemn you or put you down. Jesus came to love you. He loved you through all your mess, through all your garbage of life. And he didn't sit there and say that you're a loser, you're no good. He looked at you and he said, I love you with an everlasting love. He didn't condemn you because if he would have condemned you and told you you're a loser, you wouldn't want to come to God. You wouldn't want to come to him. Why should I come to him? Because he's condemning me. He's putting me down. He's telling me I'm no good. I don't want to associate with that. But Jesus, when he came to you, he came to you with arms open wide to let you know that I love you just as you are. Why is that what we say at our church all the time so prevalent? It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or where you came from. You're loved here at Adventure Church. Where do we get that from? From that very verse, that God so loved the world. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or where you came from. You're loved here at Adventure Church, but most of all, you're loved by God. But then he goes on in verse 18. Watch what he says. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, put down, or ashamed. But whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So in other words, what happens is he gives you a choice. He gives you a choice to accept or receive the greatest prize or the greatest gift that mankind can possibly receive, and that's in Jesus Christ. God doesn't condemn you, but you condemn yourself by not accepting the free gift or prize that God has for you. Listen to this. I love this. The first coming of Jesus was as a baby. The first coming of Jesus was as a baby. The second coming of Jesus will be as a man with authority in his hand. Come on, somebody say amen. That he'll have authority in his hand. He came as a baby without spot or wrinkle, without sin in his life. But when he comes in the second coming, he's going to come as a man with authority in his hand. And he's going to say enough is enough. And he's going to take his bride to be with him. And that's me and you. He's going to take us to be with him someday. I love what Jesus says, that I come to take you. See, listen, the greatest news is not that Jesus made the world, but that he loved the world. That's you. That's the greatest news, that God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his one and only son. Why? Because he loves you. I love this. You have never lived one unloved day in your life. 
You have never lived one unloved day in your life. I hear people all the time. I counsel all the time. People say to me, Pastor, what does pastors do? Well, you should ride along with me someday. I'm going to ride along with a police officer one of these days. Man, he's going to let me ride with him. And I'm saying, I'm excited about that. I can see what he does. I would love for you someday to sit in my corner and be the mouse in the corner and watch what your pastor does. But one of the things that your pastor does is counseling. It never fails that when I meet with people, you know what people always say? I'm not loved. I'm not accepted. I'm not appreciated. I'm not welcome. I'm not this. I'm not that. And they have all these labels that they themselves have placed upon them. And one of the biggest lies that the enemy puts upon you is that you are not loved. But let me remind you, you have never lived one unloved day in your life. God loved you the moment you were born, and even before you were born, he knit you fearfully and wonderfully in your mother's womb, and he made you just as you are. And when you came out of the womb of your mother, guess what he said? He said, you are a good thing, a great thing, and an awesome thing. And you know what he said? You are my son and my daughter and I love you with an everlasting love. That is a true gift, a true prize that Jesus has for you. Somebody say amen. Amen. I love this. God did not come to condemn you or put you down, but to give you hope and a life of victory. Amen. That he came to give you hope and a life of victory, that God came, that I'm going to come to give you. God loves you, looks beyond your faults, failures and your wrongs and sees your heart that is in need of a savior you see one of the great things about god god doesn't look at yesterday's mistakes he blots them under the blood and the bible says in isaiah 43 that he remembers your sins your faults and your failures no more man remembers what you've done to them even after 10 years or so they never seem to forget what you've done to them they hurt me they hurt my son they hurt my daughter they did this they did that but god the moment you come to him he washes you under his blood and he blots out your sins and he remembers them no more so whenever you go to god you got to get this in your heart get this in your spirit whenever you go to god say god i did this 10 years ago god i'm a loser god i did this yesterday god i did that i did this you know what god does what are you talking about i don't even remember it so the only one that remembers it is you and why are you always remembering something that's in your past? It's because the enemy always lives in his past because he knows what his future is going to be. So I got he's got to live in his past. And his past is that, hey, I got victory right now. And I've been, man, I'm roaming the earth to and fro looking for whom man may devour. And how he's going to devour you is always to bring up your past because the devil knows what his future is. In his future, he's defeated. And God's the victorious one. And so what the enemy wants to do, he always wants to remind you of your past. And so Jesus says, listen, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't even, I don't even, hey, angel, hey, serpent, do you, do you remember what Becky did? Do you, do you, do you remember what Joe did? Uh, I, I, no, God. Well, what are they talking about? That's, Aaron, what Jesus does. He doesn't remember. So why do you remember? And you know, because you remember, what happens is a lot of times people are ashamed to want to come to God. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough 
to receive the greatest gift or the greatest prize in Jesus. I'm not worthy. And all that is is a lie. And that's why John chapter 8, verse 44 says that the devil is the author of confusion and the father of lies. He doesn't hold to the truth. You see, guess what? The enemy always gives his best first. Didn't that happen with Adam and Eve with the apple? He gave the best first. But after that, it's less. Jesus doesn't give his best first. He gives his best sweeter and sweeter day in and day out. It gets better and better as you gradually walk in his presence. So always remember, what is right now that you're holding on to? That's making you from accepting or receiving the greatest prize, which is Jesus. Listen, Jesus Christ is the greatest prize. A 100% safe proof, life-changing, life-giving, and even fireproof. Somebody say amen. He's going to keep me from the hell and the pits of hell. He's fireproof. Amen. How many of you guys, how many of you guys have, have a safe at home, a fireproof safe? Amen. And you do that to protect your guns. Well, guess what? Jesus got you under fireproof. You're protected. You're protected from the fires of the enemy. Somebody say amen. But I love this. I love what Jesus says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And when Paul wrote this verse, Paul was referring to himself because the Bible says Paul or Saul was the chief of sinners. He was the worst or the chief of sinners. That Man, he, he did anything and everything. I, I don't think that anything that Paul did would shock us now because, man, he did it all. And he says these words in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. He said, for the wages of sin is death. You see, the wages of sin is death. Death from what? Do you ever think about that? What does death mean? It may not be a physical death, a physical death, but it could be a physical death from experiencing the presence of God, from experiencing or sensing him in your life, from experiencing and sensing that hope. That's why people walk around feeling hopeless because they're maybe engaged in sins that are separating them from God. And so it's a death from your relationship with the Lord. I remember when I was, man, one of my first girlfriends. How many remember your first loves, amen? Amen? And no kidding, no kidding, her name was Shannon. One of my girlfriends, her name was Shannon. And you ever remember that song? Shannon is gone after she's drifted out to sea. Right? You didn't know that, right? You don't know that. I know, I I know. I'm going to get you up to stay. I'm, I'm going to be the DJ so you can learn this, all right? Yeah. But, uh, but you know what? Uh, she broke up with me. And I mean to tell you, man, she was my first love, my heart throb, right, all that stuff. And you know what, man? Man, by being distant away from her, I just felt, man, incomplete, man. I just felt lonely, empty, miserable. Because you know why? There was a death in our relationship. There was no more communicating. There was no more infatuation. There was no more of that Holy Ghost goosebumps, if you want to call it. But that's what happens with wages of sin is death. That you can't experience God in his presence. And you can't feel his warmth and his strength and his power when you're going through situations of life. But look at what he says. But the gift, the gift, 100% proof. Fireproof, safe proof, light for your life. The gift, the prize. You're guaranteed to win with Jesus. 
The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How many want that gift? Peace that passes all understanding. And here's the great thing about that gift. It's free. You don't even have to pay for it because Jesus did. He laid down his life for you and gave you the gift of eternal life through his life so that you can have life and life more abundantly. It's a free gift. You see, listen, if you had an opportunity to win a prize, I think we have those up there, Don. How many would like to win this prize? Isn't that a great prize? I want you to be honest. Wouldn't it be great to win a bike, right? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be great to win a bike? That's a cool bike. I'll tell you, Andrew, you probably like that bike. We're living out in the country now, right? Right? All right, but now how many would like to win that? And wouldn't that be cool? Come on. Uh, that be, that'd be cool now? Come on, right? Right? Now watch this. How many would like to win this? Come on. Yeah. Now, come on. Wouldn't that be awesome? To, you know, what would you rather buy? A bike, a motorcycle, or that? The Ferrari, right? But sometimes in life, you know what happens? We settle for second best. Where we could have a Ferrari, we settle for a bike. Where we could have a Ferrari, we settle for a motorcycle. And that Ferrari is God. You can have a Ferrari in your life. You can man have a Lamborghini, whatever the case may be. You can man have an Alexa, whatever. But God is the ultimate gift. But sometimes what we do in our relationship with God, we settle for second best when God wants you to have the best. And that's why he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he'll do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you think and fathom and even imagine. God will do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can imagine. My word for you is today, don't settle for second best. God has the greatest gift for you in his son, Jesus Christ, that's life-changing, that's life-giving, that's life-rearranging, that can give you purpose, meaning, and joy in your life. Somebody say amen. You see, when God sent his son, and you have this on your notes, God took the first steps. And I want you to see this. Number one, God took the first step, stepping down from heaven. God loved you so much that he gave the greatest gift, his son Jesus. By stepping down into heaven to give you a great gift. Number two, walking perfectly on this earth, leaving us an example. The Lord would never ask you to do something that he himself wouldn't do. He showed you the example in which you should follow in your life. He wanted to show you, not only just say it, it's easy, talk is cheap, but action is deep. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You can always talk, you can talk your way out of a wet paper bag, but actions speak louder than words, right? And Jesus showed it by his actions that I'm going to lead the way and I'm going to show you the example of how to follow. I love this next one. Striding willingly to the cross because he loved you. Can you imagine that? Every time he took a, a whack from the cat of nine tails across his back, the nails in his hands and his feet, the pierced side. Can you imagine that every time he was whipped and beaten and flogged, he said, I did it for you. You see, the commercial, the Budweiser commercial, has it all backwards. When it said, this Bud's for you, it's actually, this blood's for you. I did it for you. I did it 
for you. I love you with an everlasting life. I laid down my life so you can have life and life more abundantly. I love what Jesus says. Jesus was a perfect gift or prize because he wants to give to you that perfect gift. He wants to give you that perfect gift. The perfect gift is not under the Christmas tree. That perfect gift lives in your heart if you receive him. That's the perfect gift. Life-forming, transforming gift. You see, Jesus is the prize or gift that keeps on giving even after two weeks. Why do you say after two weeks? Because after two weeks, that Christmas gift that you got under the tree is now on the shelf. I remember some time ago, my son CJ, how many remember the My Buddy Dolls? My Buddy and Me, remember? Remember? Come on, older guys, come on, right? Well, my son CJ wanted a My Buddy Dow, but he just didn't want an average My Buddy Dow. He wanted a black My Buddy Dow. And so my wife and I, man, we looked high and low to find this My Buddy Dow. Now, you know what I'm talking about? How many ever found did that? You're looking for that perfect gift that your son or your daughter wanted, whatever, right? And, man, you searched high and low. Man, you even spent a little extra money to get it. Right? So finally, Cheryl and I found a My Buddy Black Dow. And we had to drive, like I think it was two and a half hours. We didn't have internet now where you get on the internet and they send it to you now and all that kind of stuff. We had to drive to go get that bad boy. Two and a half hours, one way, no kidding. Five hours to pick up this Dow. Right? And man, we are so excited. We wrapped that bad boy up under the tree. Couldn't wait to give it to CJ. He opened it up, man. He got excited. Oh, thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you, Mom and Dad. He hugged it, man. He played with it. He even kissed it, right? I thought, man, son, that's getting too far, right? But he kissed a little down, man. He was all excited. He played with that thing. But after a week, guess what that thing was? Always left in the middle of the floor. Son, put your dog away. Okay, okay. That excitement that he had from that gift, man, only lasted one week, even maybe went into two weeks, but after that, he was on to the next thing. And sometimes, can I say this to you, sometimes what happens with Jesus, Jesus wants to give you the greatest gift. And so many times we're like an addict. We're looking for the next fix instead of taking our time and worshiping and honoring and enjoying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and what he has for you in your life. You get bored with him and God says, listen, don't get bored with me. I'm not the, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever in my character, in my love and who I am. But I get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. You dig in. You draw closer to me. I'll draw closer to you. And as you do, I'll transform you, change you, and rearrange you. I will put a joy unspeakable and full of glory in your heart. I will give you peace that passes of all understanding. I will give you strength beyond your measures. I will let you know that I will supply all your needs according to your glorious riches. In Christ Jesus, I am the God that changes not. I will supply all your needs according to your glorious riches. In Christ Jesus, that sounds like to me that our God in which we serve never gets boring, never gets old never gives up on you and his gifts get, keep on giving day in and day out that's the kind of gift I want Amen. I want that in my life God you're a great God you're an awesome God with Jesus he never gets old he never wears out he's new every morning 
He, and he is the prize that guarantees true happiness and joy. I'm going to close with this. Life-changing prize. Life-changing prize. Now, Christmas is a time where, man, we, we get together as family. I love it. In Minnesota, it's really bad, especially in Red Wing. My, my, my kids are trying to come home and, from Illinois, and they can't come home till after the 27th that Sunday. But my daughter and my son-in-law, their parents live in Red Wing, Minnesota. And if you've seen what the governor did in the, there in that area, the sheriff, the police department, the whole works are all banding together in Red Wing, Minnesota, that if they have any people, over 10 people, they are put out a neighborhood watch that you're supposed to report on these families. And so now my daughter and son-in-law, because their family is well over 10 people, they're now prohibited to meet for Christmas in Red Wing because they're limited to 10 or less. And they will get a $2,000 fine if they are caught with 10 or more people. A, th a thousand or ninety days in, in jail. My point is, have you ever felt like maybe you're an outsider looking in? Maybe you feel like maybe you don't belong, you don't fit, and you're a misfit, and you don't have a part, or you're not part of the family. But in these next few things, I want to give you encouragement. I want to give you the encouragement, that life-changing prize. Get acquainted with the new you. The new you. Look at what happens. I love this. When you become the new you, number one, you become God's child. John 1, verse 12. You see, I want you to picture this now. You become God's child. You're not left out, left behind, or forgotten. You are God's child. Think about that. Some of you aren't going to be able to go home for Christmas. Some of you ain't going to see your kids or your family. And you're going to feel incomplete. But you're a child of the Most High God. And he never leaves you nor forsakes you. Number two, life-changing prize. You are a friend of God. Man, what do friends do? They communicate. They converse. They talk. They share. Man, iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. You're a friend of God. I remember the song that came out, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend, amen, Walt. He calls Walt, Denise, he calls you friends. Dave, he, he calls you his friend. Listen, and not only does he call you a friend, but he embraces you. I love this one. You are a member of Christ's family. You are a member of Christ's family. That you, today, Venture Church, are part of the family of God. I was so excited. I had a meeting with a couple this last Wednesday at the poorhouse. I always say every time I go there, I make it a rich house. And we went to the poorhouse this last Wednesday. Excuse me, Tuesday. Tuesday. And... Uh, this gentleman is endeavoring to become a pastor. He wants to become a pastor in the Assemblies of God like me. And I said to him, I said, do you realize the scope of once you...
become a pastor in the Assemblies of God. You become a part of a family around the world. Around the world, we have a book about this thick. It's almost two inches thick of every pastor, every church, every missionary across this whole globe. That once we sign the line, dotted line, to become a pastor or ordained or licensed pastor in the Assemblies of God, you become a part of the family. You today, when you sign the line and cross the line for Jesus, you become a part of the family. You become part of the family. You're not left out, left behind, or forgotten. You're here. I love this one. When you become a part, you are forgiven of all, of all. If you notice, I highlighted all your sins, not just part. Not some of them, but all of them. All of your sins, God has forgiven you. But the question is, have you forgiven yourself? Have you forgiven yourself? I've never said this from the pulpit before. But I am now because it's Christmas. When I had my failure, the biggest guilt rider was me. I thought I'd never be back in the pulpit. I failed. I failed my family. I failed my wife. I failed our church failed my friends. I failed my co-workers. I failed God. I never thought that I could be forgiven. Many times I would lay in bed and cry. I said, God, why? Went through my two-year sabbatical. I got a phone call from the district office in Minneapolis there to take this little church, and I want you to hear this because this is for you today. If God can forgive me, He can forgive you. I got a call from the district office that said, Pastor CJ, we want you to take this little Spanish church Temple de Fe, Faith Temple Church there in St. Paul, a Spanish-speaking church. And the only word I knew in Spanish was baño, and that's bathroom. (laughs) They asked me to take this little church, and I want you to get this, Zach. You get this in your heart, Macy. They asked me to take this little church, Spanish-speaking church, 11 people. And I just left the church with 1,200, three campuses. God, what are you doing? I said, okay, God, I'll do it. I laid in my bed Saturday night, and all I could do was cry. God, can I still do it? God, can you still use me, a wretch like me? 
And all I could do was pray, Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I cried all night long. I was nervous to step foot in that pulpit in front of the 11 Spanish-speaking people. And as soon as I got in that pulpit, the Holy Spirit hit me and showed me, CJ, you are forgiven. And now I have a reason for living. And we took that little church of 11 Spanish-speaking people it was on Payne Avenue, and we called it a miracle on Payne Avenue. From 11 people to, in five months, well over 100 and some people, we remodeled the whole inside of that church. We painted the parsonage. We did the whole thing. And God, at the end of me coming here, when I took the assignment to come here, Harlan, you guys were there. You helped us move, you and Quinn and Mark. You helped us move that, and you saw how dirty it was and messed up. And God said, CCJ, I've forgiven you. Let me ask you, why are you being a sway-back donkey and carrying your yesterdays when God's got your future? You're carrying your yesterdays, but yesterday I did this, but yesterday I did that, but yesterday. But God doesn't remember your yesterdays. He remembers today. And I love this. You lack nothing. Philippians, we close. Philippians says this, Paul, the chief of sinners, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. None of us have until Jesus comes to take us home. Not one of you have arrived at your goal, and not one of you are not going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But thank you, Jesus, for his grace and his son, Jesus Christ, who forgives me, sets me free, transforms me, and loves me just as I am. And he loves you. He says, I press on for the goal, but I press on to take hold that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now watch this, brothers and sisters. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. We're all in this race. We're all going to stumble. We're all going to fall. We're all going to make mistakes. There's not one perfect person in this place besides the presence or the Spirit of God. But one thing I do Paul could not go forward until he let go of those things in the past. You can never go forward. You're going to be in a tractor pull all your life if you're always holding on to yesterday's, yesterday's wrongs, yesterday's failures, yesterday's sin. You can never go forward if you're hanging on to yesterday's. So Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
It's about time you take your faults, your sins, your failures, and put them in the grave six feet under and remember them no more because Jesus doesn't remember them. So why do you remember them? It's time that you rise up and be the King of kings and the Lord of lords that God has placed within your life. You are a king's kid. You are a royal priesthood. You are a people belonging to God. And the enemy wants to steal, rob, and destroy from you and make you walk around limp. And God said, no, it's time to come up now and be who I called you to be. And the only way you can do that, forgetting what is behind and straining Joe towards what is ahead. You notice why he said straining? Because in this walk with God, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have your highs and lows, your peaks and your valleys. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, he'll pull you through. Are you going to stumble? Are you going to fall? Yes. But watch what he says. Here's what it's all about. I press on towards the goal to win the prize. How many want to win the prize? You want to win the prize today? You want to win the prize today? The prize. What's the prize? The King of kings and Lord of lords. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul was not perfect, but he was work in progress just as you and I. You must let go of your past to walk into your new future. With Christ, he never reminds you of your past, but only of your future. Your greatest gift or prize is not under the Christmas tree. It is here right now. That Jesus is here right now. I shared with you a vulnerable story. Visitors are here. If God can forgive me, he can forgive you. And as your pastor, I want to give those here today the greatest gift. And maybe today you came into this place and said, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to stop playing games. I need to stop going around going, collecting my $200 and then going around again, going around again like a mouse chasing his tail or the dog or whatever. I need to make it right with God. I want to give my heart to Jesus and I want to receive the greatest gift that mankind can give and that's a Jesus Christ in my life. Will you stand with me this morning? Will you stand? I know in my heart, in my prayer time this morning, yesterday, I know there's people in here today, we're not here to embarrass you, but I'm here to give you the greatest gift. And I know in my heart this morning, I know that I know that I know there are people in this place that right now need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior in their lives. That you need to stop playing games, stop going through the motions, say, God, I surrender today. I surrender it to you. Just like that young man did on Wednesday night in our prayer group, he gave his life to Jesus. As your heads are bowed, will you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you the question right now. You say, Pastor, I want to make my life right with God right now. I want to receive this gift. 
I want to receive this life-changing, transforming gift of Jesus Christ in my heart. I want to accept him in my life. I want to show him that I love him by giving my heart. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand up. You say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus this morning. Anyone here this morning, say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus this morning. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand up. Is there anyone here? I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. Come on. Don't miss this call. I see one and the other. Say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus this morning. Just lift your hand up high so I can see it. I see another one in the back. Yes, I see that. see another one. see three hands so far. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Anyone else? I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. Don't leave the same way you came. Go home, change, transform, and rearrange. Anyone else? Let's lift your hand up. One. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. I want to make sure my life is right with God. I want to make sure my life is right with God. Two. Anyone else that will say that with me right now? Three. You may look at me with There was three people in here that raised their hand, and I believe there was more. But if you mean business today, you mean business today, will you come forward, those that raise your hand, and I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Come on. Don't be afraid. We're not here. I want to give you the greatest gift. I want to give you that gift. There's one. Now, come on. Welcome as they come. Anyone else? Come on. There was others that raised their hand. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come on. It's all right. It's all right. There's three that raised your hand. I understand. Anyone else this morning? You say, Pastor, I want to get right with God. I want to get right with God. Anyone else? I want you to repeat this up with us together. This young man, Jamie, God bless you. So proud of you, man. Remember that commercial? You come a long way, baby. I want us all to pray this prayer out loud together, especially those other two that raised their hand. If you would pray this with us, all of us together. Heavenly Father, come into my heart. Forgive me of my wrongs, my faults, and my failures. I invite you in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life. The new hope I have in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com give. Thank you for your generous donation.